Okay, this is Randy Palmer. I'm the host of the Family Strong Podcast. Thank you for being here. The title of this episode today is Three Things That Fathers Can Do to Begin to Successfully Intervene in Their Son's Addiction. I wanted to speak specifically to fathers here because my mind has been drawn upon some recent experiences I've had working with families and then my own experiences with memories I've had and experiences I've had of my father, how, how him and I interact to this day, and how we interacted through my addiction, as well as some of the challenges that I've had with my own children and just figuring out how to be a father as uh, my oldest boy is 12 now. I want to share a quote to begin and then we'll get into the three principles or tips. The quote says, Fathering is not something perfect men do, but something that perfects the man. And that is by Frank Pittman. And this quote summarizes perfectly why I want to share today about specifically fathers to sons. Now we know that uh, every, every family member has a specific role to play and relationships are different. I could talk for a minute about my little girls and my daughters, and I could talk about my sons, and it's different. Father's relationships with sons is different than mother's relationships with sons, and vice versa. And what excites me the most about fathers is that I see a huge opportunity for growth. I see a huge opportunity to turn the tides over time to lead sons specifically in the direction of getting the recovery help they need and the treatment they need if we can approach this strategically and help others within the family and within the system um, improve the way they communicate and the way they connect with their sons. The three steps or the three tips that I want to share with you today are as follows. One, connection before correction. Two, boundary lines. And three, be the light. Starting with connection before correction. You know, I've, I've said it before, I've shared an analogy about sugar coating because I, I posted a video one time and and a guy responded, and I was talking about this very specific thing and how specifically a father should approach his son when they find themselves in one of these scenarios where maybe the son's behavior has just become toxic, the father's responding the best way he knows how, usually with some, with some boldness and some bluntness and just man-to-man. -man. Uh, the son's not receiving it well. It's not working. This is a pattern that the father and son have been uh, perpetuating for months now, if not years, but it goes even further than that. If we could go back and, and trace back through the memories and the experiences that this father had, most likely we would find the same type of experiences from his father. And if we could go back to the grandfather and go back through some of the experiences we had, he's had, most likely, we would see some of these same patterns and experiences from his father. 
it really raises the question then who's responsible right one of the things that helps to build a connection with a loved one is when you can eliminate the shame and the blame and the guilt off of one person right this is the problem with traditional interventions when you lie to the person you get them there you basically then corner them and say hey we're we're all demanding that you change not to say they don't need to change but this change that needs to happen is far more about the overall structure and system within the family unit than it is just about one person and you can help calm the waters you can connect with them and have and help them let down their guard a little bit by introducing other challenges within the family or other opportunities within the family for growth and showing look it's this isn't really just about one person now again i i have to highlight i'm not saying that um you know that i wasn't responsible for my addiction it, i was it was a choice i made i continually made it was my choice to not ask for help sooner it's not that it's that if there's a discomfort within the family if there's a breakdown of communication if there's a lack of results over time and the same patterns are being perpetuated over time and there's this crisis or this chaos that keeps coming up then there's opportunity there for the entire family to make adjustments and allow this person the space and the time to find their own path, to find their own light. But we, as the spectators and as those that are observing and offering input, have a huge opportunity here to make a difference, especially the fathers. One of the things that I recently heard again that I've heard hundreds of times is this statement that there's nothing any of us can do until they're ready. In essence, we can't help them until they want help. And I would just like to add to that, we can help them want help. We can help them be ready. Okay, it's not likely that someone's going to know exactly how to get clean or how to get sober or how to get healthy on their own. Just like it's not likely that some father is going to know exactly how to change or break these generational patterns unless it's brought to light and he understands that part of the issue here is the communication habits and patterns that he's having with his son. And he knows it. I know it as a father. When I get after my 12-year-old boy for something, uh, he's our oldest, so I put more pressure on him. I immediately know it as I walk away from that conversation, knowing that I could have handled it better. So I want to dive into some of those uh, communication patterns today. And specifically, I want to do it with this concept of connection before correction. As I stated earlier, I once had someone tell me, so basically you're wanting parents to sugarcoat it. And as I thought about it more, my answer to that became yes. In the sense that when I was a little boy, if I needed to take medicine, my grandma, I remember the little spoon she would, she would, and I even knew the medicine was in there. You know, I was four or five. I was, I was onto the Tylenol. I, I could, I could see what grandma was stirring up over there. But as she sprinkled the sugar on there, I still wanted some of that. 
fast forward now when, when we get to adults and those who are struggling with mental illness and addiction, substance abuse, the sugar is the connection. When I go and I work with a family, and when I work with fathers and, and sons, one of the main things that I'm looking to see is if this father and this son can still have a connection despite their weaknesses, despite their flaws in behavior, despite the past, despite the drama, despite the crisis or chaos. Is there still moments where they have a deep connecting experience? That's a key indicator <clears throat> for how successful uh, our meetings are going to be moving forward. And the good news is, is that this can be taught, this can be learned, because those moments used to happen. If they're not happening now, they can happen again. Because as I've said, all, all men still have that little boy within them that wants to connect with their father. And I know not everyone has perfect scenarios and perfect lives and perfect relationships with their dads. Um, but even, even the lack thereof of those relationships is a huge source of their motivation towards life or one of their biggest challenges when it comes to trauma or making changes in their lives is finding peace and closure and acceptance for what that relationship is, whatever it looks like. So going back to the sugar-coat analogy, my grandma would give me this spoon and I would swallow it because it was sugar-coated. But under the sugar was the medicine that I needed. The medicine in this example is the treatment. It's the, it's the rehab, it's the outpatient, it's the therapy or the counseling or the NA or the AA meetings or the family councils. It's something that can help move the needle forward and educate the individual and the entire family on what's happening with this person and in, in their life and in this addiction. So if we're constantly going to our son and all we're doing is bickering and complaining and bringing up the past and reminding them of all the commitments they haven't followed through on, we're most likely not getting anywhere on that. Because I can tell you from experience that going through the addiction, being the person hearing yourself talk and trying to sort through it on your own is exhausting. Um, most likely, if you have a son that's struggling with addiction right now, and you're witnessing your either yourself or your husband or father communicate with, with another member of your family, the person who's going through that addiction has already um, explained to themselves all the reasons why they're horrible that day. They're already being harder on themselves than anyone else could be on them. They already know how many mistakes they've made. See, this is the cycle. This is part of the problem of them being able to open up and ask for help. In some cases, it's because they believe that they don't deserve it. They believe that they got into this mess, that they've caused this pain for the family, and they're not going to burden anyone any further, and they're going to get out of it on their own, and they're going to show everybody that they're a man, and that they can step up, and that they can be the person that their father raised them to be. Not understanding that, in most cases, it takes a team to do that. 
It takes a family to do that. It takes a support system to do that. So there has to be a balance there when it comes to sugarcoating in these conversations. If it's all sugar, it's all, here's some money, here's a car, here's somewhere warm to live, here's some food. Yes, we will basically protect you from all of your choices and create an environment where you feel no discomfort, even to the point where we'll let you manipulate everyone else in the family and we'll respond to your emotional outburst so that you know you just keep calm so that we don't have any further issues that would be considered all sugar and that is not what I mean when I say yes you should sugarcoat it to your children on the other hand when it's all behavioral it's all disappointment it's all frustration um, then we need to refocus on the connection when was the last time you put your arm around your son and said, you know, despite everything that's going on, no matter what happens, I love you and I'll always have your back. When was the last time you looked into their eyes and just took a deep breath and, say, and said, are you okay? What do you think I can do better as your father to help you through this time? because I understand that it's difficult. When was the last time you thought back on your life and you reflected on some of your challenges, some of the battles that you've had to fight, and opened up and shared those experiences with your son and said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but this happened to me once, and this is how I got through it, or this is how I'm getting through it. So... I may not understand completely what you're going through, but I do also struggle and I've had similar experiences that maybe you can relate with. Maybe not. But I just want you to know that I'm here for you and I have your back. And because of that, then, you know we're here for you. We are ready to help you. Um, we can't do everything for you. We actually want to help you. So this would be a good segue into the second principle, which is uh, expressing clear and firm boundary lines. Is what, what I have noticed in my own life, nine times out of ten, when I get overly frustrated with my, with my son, it's usually more on me than it is on him. It's, it's a downward effect. It's a it's a snowball effect of me not being on top of it with his homework or with his basketball drills or with his chores where I've let it slide to a point where then I express my frustration about my own circumstances, but I, I vent it onto him. When I'm the adult in this situation, as a father dealing with a son who's making horrible decisions, who may be struggling with substance abuse, you're the healthy one, right? We're the adults. We're the heroes in this story that need to come through and say, this is where my lines are. And as a reminder, boundary lines don't need to become battle lines. Any boundary, any line drawn should be increased with support. It comes with an increase of support. It comes with uh, a message of hope and light, which is the third principle. It comes with a team approach. Um, 
the power of a, of a support group, if you look at a family, for example, who understands these principles, who understands, and they're not going to get it right every time, but understands the ability or the process and the importance of making a connection with your loved one before you make a correction. And then having a solid foundation that you can stand on personally and say, you know, this, these are some of the lines that I need to draw for my own mental health, for my own wellness, and for the safety and protection of my family and of my own relationships. That's more about me, <clears throat> son, than it is about you. Uh, but these things I can't allow. And here's why. But just so you know, as we move forward on this journey, as things get better, um, everything that I have is yours. And many of these lines uh, you'll be able to cross once you can show us a certain level of maturity and understanding that you value them. Going to the third principle here before I wrap it up. When someone's going through an addiction, they've typically tried on their own everything they know how to get better. Originally, like when it first starts, they just they're escaping life or seeking pleasure, relief from anxiety, pain, whatever it may be. But over time, it becomes more of a chore, more of a job. It's a lot of work to stay high, to not get sick, to stay out of jail day after day after day, and to stay alive. Make no mistake about it. It is a lot of work, and it is preparing them for the future, whether that's entrepreneurship or fatherhood. Once they turn this thing, it will not be wasted. But in the meantime, there is no better opportunity. If you have the option, if there's a, if there's a father present in this person's life, most likely there is no one on this earth that is going to be able to connect with them and get the most traction in the right direction with getting them healthy than that of his father. But if the father is discouraged and if the father has allowed the boundary lines to be toppled, you know, trampled over so many times and now there's just frustration there and it's caused contention within the family and financially it's just drained them. And if every time he sees this son, or every time this topic comes up, he just expresses frustration, or he himself kind of give, gives off this, this um, energy of a lack of hope or despair, then it's crucial that the Father, if that's you, that you begin to do the work. Rather that's therapy yourself, listening to podcasts, reading books, finding God, praying, meditating, whatever it is, I can promise you that if you can get to a point where you can be the light for them, and I don't mean that 
always 100% positive. Remember, fatherhood is not done by perfect men, but it's this process of being a father that is perfecting you. And the ability to see the big picture, the ability to paint a picture of your mind of this person when they're healthy or when they're using less, when things have calmed down, when your relationship is better, expecting miracles. Someone needs to look at them and say, hey, I want you to know that I still believe in you. I want you to know that our family, despite everything going on, is still super powerful. And we are still a solid team. And we're here for you. I want you to know that sometimes in life, you find yourself in these scenarios and it seems horrible in the, mo in the moment, like it's never going to end. But I want you to, to know that they do end. And that I believe that yours is just around the corner. And that above anything else, I love you. Regardless of your behavior. Regardless of how long it takes you to figure this out. That's the connection. That's the sugar that we need before we offer the medicine. The next step is to offer the medicine. It's to actually get to a point where we rebuild trust, make a connection, accept them for who they are. See, and that's the process over time that then when the moment comes, when they're at high tide, when they've reached their rope's end, their, whip, their wit's end, you are the one that they will come to and say, okay, I trust you, I know you love me, you've been patient, what should we do? And that is the moment where we capture it. But we don't expect them to get to that point on their own because it's a fleeting moment they have been there already they're just scared and they don't know what to do when they're in that moment imagine for a second if the entire family would begin to do this would begin to understand the power of connection before correction, would understand the value of setting boundaries and letting them learn from their own experiences while increasing support, while making even a greater effort to leave no stone unturned, that there's not a shadow of a doubt in their mind that you love them and are there for them, showering them with messages of hope and light and belief that men do change and that families can improve. That's how we help them get ready to want help. Thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.